I'm Warren Berkeley with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ. Our meeting times and Bible classes have been temporarily interrupted. To Laurel Heights members, before Sunday, notice will be given about our plans. So for the sake of continuity, especially for our members, I'm posting this audio recording to finish our studies in 2 Thessalonians. We're in chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. I'm aware that attention span is limited with online audio recordings, so this will not extend to the normal length of a Bible class. We are looking at the last three verses in 2 Thessalonians, and then I'll offer a brief review of the epistle. Listen now, please, 2 Thessalonians 3, 16 through 18. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord will be with you. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is the sign of genuineness in every letter of mine. It is the way I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Here's an observation I've made all throughout our study of this epistle. Each chapter ends with a prayer, often introduced with these words, Now may the Lord. What this indicates is the strong bond between Paul and these Christians in Thessalonica, and even higher than the human bond, Paul's trust in God and his conviction that they needed what could only come from God. They needed strength, endurance, courage, comfort in their everyday lives and in the suffering they were undergoing. They needed what could only come from God. So let me show you how this works at the end of each chapter. 2 Thessalonians 1, 11 and 12. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now look at the end of chapter 2 in 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians 2, 16 and 17. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. And then, of course, here we are in our text. In 2 Thessalonians 3, 16 through 18, I want you to listen again. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is the sign of genuineness in every letter of mine. It is the way I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. So, in each case, at the end of these chapters, Paul exhibits his close ties with these Christians, and, of course, higher than that, Paul's trust in God, who was able to supply exactly what they needed. Next, take a moment with this divine name, the Lord of 
peace. When we are under pressure, worldly opposition, persecution, various trials having to do with our earthly existence, we can get the impression that there is no peace, nobody's providing peace, nobody's in charge of peace. While there may not be a perception of peace on earth, the Christian knows that we have on our side the Lord of peace. Even in our trials, we can have peace with God. And any absence of peace that we perceive about the things of this earth are temporary. Eventually, in heaven, there will be absolutely perfect peace. And we have peace with God now. That's a reality for his people. Paul is praying for the Christians in Thessalonica, praying to the Lord of peace. The government may not generate much peace of mind. Men who are in charge of various things may not encourage or foster peace. The modern-day media isn't known for spreading peace. In my relationship with God, there is peace, harmony. That is a foretaste of what I'll enjoy forever in heaven. Heaven, uh, there, there will be no quarantine, no hoarding, no distance, no cancellations, no lines, no breaking news alerts, except for the primary alert that we will be aware of all the time. Here we are with God in heaven. We are here forever with the Lord of peace. Now, the full petition that's in the passage. Now, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. When we are in pain or stress or going through some fierce storm of life, we may need to really concentrate on this and rally around this point. Our peace with God continues through our trials. I've often thought and said, all earthly pain is temporary and no earthly pain interferes with our peace with God so long as we remain faithful to him, and well attached to good daily discipleship. I think that is conveyed all through the Bible and specifically stated here. All earthly pain is temporary. As far as my relationship with God is concerned, I have peace with him, even if I have no peace to speak of about earthly things. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way, the Lord be with you all. This may remind us of the hymn, The Lord be with you and keep you. Verse 17 begins with an intriguing and dramatic statement. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. In that culture and time, people who wrote a lot often dictated to a penman, a copy, a secretary, scribe. Then near the end of the letter, the author would sign his name and write the final benediction. This would give a personal touch to the letter and certify by signature the identity, the genuineness of the author. So here is verse 17. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is the sign of genuineness in every letter of mine. It is the way I write. This adds a personal, warm touch 
that would have great meaning for the Christians in Thessalonica. And Paul said, this is the way I write. Often, Paul ends a letter with these words, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Here again, two things are indicated. One, Paul's affection for these Christians in Thessalonica. And two, Paul's dependence on the grace of the Lord. Stop there and think. Paul was an obedient man, engaged in good works in so many impressive ways. He was active and zealous and militant, preaching the gospel, edifying Christians, good works in his response to the Lord. But he never discounted grace. Knowing without the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, good works would be insufficient to merit eternal salvation. So Paul's benediction, 2 Thessalonians 3, 16 through 18. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is the sign of genuineness in every letter of mine. It is the way I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. So this brief section lends itself to recognition of the value of prayer, remembering even in our trials, the Lord of peace is with us. Then our dependence on the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that there will be eternally a marvelous outcome. In the remainder of our time, I want to walk us through the Second Thessalonian letter. If you could see this on paper, uh, you would observe on the page an outline of Second Thessalonians. I'm going to take you through that as we conclude our study of the Second Thessalonian letter. It begins with what might be called the greeting and salutation in chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Paul Silvanus and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is with Silas and Timothy, and this is from God through Paul to the church there in Thessalonica. It may be noted here, the letter begins and ends with statements of grace. The next two verses, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, could be labeled Thanksgiving. Chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God, for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. Though there were problems in that church, there were good things happening. Your faith is growing abundantly. These people became good examples of endurance and faith in their persecution. <clears throat> Next, Paul wanted them to know of God's justice about their persecution. 
I'm in chapter 1 of 2 Thessalonians, verses 5 through 12. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you are also suffering, since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted, as well as to us, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed, because our testimony to you was believed to this end. We always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is about the righteous judgment of God, and they are assured of that. Those who do not obey the gospel are destined to suffer the eternal absence of God. And as indicated earlier, this ends with a prayer. In chapter 2, Paul knew of something that would happen before the second coming, the man of sin or lawlessness. Listen, please. We're in 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 1 through 12. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming." The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, 
Paul doesn't give us names and places and times. He knew people in Thessalonica were alarmed, mistaken about the second coming of Christ. He knew these things would take place before the second coming. In view of such apostasy, his message is captured in two words in chapter 2, 13 to 17, stand firm. Listen, please. 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 to 17. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the firstfruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this, he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Now, you heard the key phrase in that last section I read, chapter 2, 13 to 17. The key phrase in verse 15, So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. And then the prayer that ends the chapter I've just read in verses 16 and 17. That brings us now to our review of chapter 3, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. More prayer and encouragement in verses 1 through 5. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful he will establish you and guard you against the evil one, and we have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Paul seeks the prayers of the brethren in Thessalonica and note his word of encouragement. We have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. And then there comes what might be considered the hard part. In 2 Thessalonians 3, 6 through 15, there were some who were openly disorderly and defiant toward the instructions the apostles gave. What do you do? Listen, please. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For when we were with you, 
we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. We studied this in a recent Wednesday night class, and I made the point, not all sin is handled the same way, though all sin should be addressed. This came to a point where those who were idle had to be withdrawn from. And then we come to the final section in Second Thessalonians. This is chapter 3. We studied in this recording chapter 3 of Second Thessalonians, verses 16 through 18. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times, in every way. The Lord be with you all. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is the sign of genuineness in every letter of mine. It is the way I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Well, this hasn't been like the usual Wednesday night Bible class, and we regret that we can't be together this evening. But anytime we study God's Word, we can rejoice, and we can determine to be better people. We have not let this time become dead time to us tonight, or whenever you listen to this. I'm going to use this electronic method through this crisis. Watch your email, our Facebook page, and the website. We will do our best to stay in touch, be in prayer, and use this time wisely. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times, in every way. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Thank you for listening.